This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, along for the ride, the sous chef of the garden, uh, Frank Proctor. Oh, I think you're along for more than just the ride. Today, well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be propping Charlie up, <laughs> is what I'm doing, because she is heavily involved, of course, with Canada Blooms, which opened yesterday. So, how did it go? So, it's beautiful, big, exciting. Direct lots Energy of Center. Direct yeah. Energy Center exhibition place. Yeah. Crazy times, because. Canada Blooms is, you know, the biggest, Canada's biggest flower and garden show. But now we're co-locating with the National Home Show, which is Canada's biggest yeah, home show. Yeah. So we have, it's a great it's a, combination. Though. It's a great combination, but it's a huge venue. I mean, plan to take a week to see the place. <laughs> if you want to go to every, you know, yeah, walk yeah. every aisle and sort of talk to the vendors you might be interested in and get into some of the exhibits you want to see in terms of Canada Blooms gardens, etc., Plan a week. Yeah. It's huge. I, I uh, last last Wednesday was a reading the National Post and, and uh, Son of a Gun. Here's a little article all about a new book that's out growing mm-hmm. uh, the, the bulb, uh, the garlic, a whole book on garlic. Yummy. And then there are a few recipes included in it, but basically it's about the history of, of uh, the uh, – what do you call it? Uh, well, I just the, that pungent um, <laughs> vegetable. What's the name of the book? Actually, do you, does uh, it, is just it on that second, little article? Because yeah. hmm. I actually have the book. It's written by Liz Primo. It's yes. brand new, hot off the press, all about garlic, and she's a very good writer. Liz Primo was the original editor of Canadian Gardening Magazine for 10, 10 years or more. She also hosted a, a garden show on. HG, HGTV. It's just called garlic. Yeah, and then there's a sub thing. It's like the, oh, the right? odorifice, aromatic, whatever, whatever uh, bulb of... And it's yeah, she's done a lot of research, obviously, to cover the history and the uh, how its uses medicinally, culturally. And she is speaking, I think you were going to say... That she is yeah, oh yeah, going to yeah. be at Canada oh, the Blooms. The main thing I want to mention, yes. she's going to be at Canada Blooms uh, on, uh, let's see, March 24th. So that's uh, what? Probably Wednesday. <laughs> 2 p.m. Yeah, you're yeah. right, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she, she's one of the guest speakers, and you have a lot of guest speakers down oh, there. Oh, gosh. And it's a beautiful stage because we do, at Canada Blooms, make the prettiest stages of any, you know, sort of event you yeah. ever go to. So this year, because the home um, National Home Show is not so good at stage making, they've decided to share our stage. So every second day, the programming is one or the other. So you've got to kind of got home and home reno, interior design programming right, one right. day. And then you've got all the... A little the taste of everything. Gurus of the garden the following day. So right. exactly. <clears throat> so check, because there's great speakers. There's two different venues, not just the big main stage, mm-hmm. but also I believe it's room 105. I've got it written down here. Uh, yes, room 105 or the main stage, which is right out in the open. You right. can't miss it. I keep calling it the main stage. It's actually called the uh, Unilock Celebrity Home and Garden Television 
main you have, stage. Like you have no like, idea how hard she's working to get this it's out, folks. Huge <laughs> name. It's all got to do with sponsorship, right? You got to remember who sponsored what. And so, I'm glad I brought toothpicks in this morning. I'll prop your eyes open. Thank there you and, for that. Try to keep you awake see all the way through the show. Thank you, you know, but the hours you put in there are incredible. They're just—they don't leave you much time for sleep. That's true, and you can hear it in my voice. I also yell at people a lot, so that I lose my voice. <laughs> and beating the, the minions over there with that's right. fronds of grass. And <laughs> Palm fronds. Palm fronds, yeah. Boston fern fronds. Yeah, I mean, you know, when they're when they're just not holding up their own, I, I cut their pay. and uh, <laughs> they, The volunteers, yeah. Exactly. They look at me and go, how can you cut from zero? And I go, oh, I'm halving that. You're getting half of zero this time. <laughs> but I have oh, great volunteers. Up. I really yeah, do. That's super. They are just amazing. Speaking of speakers and venues, <clears throat> excuse me, the educational opportunities at, at Canada Blooms, tomorrow, Sunday, yes. mm-hmm. I am on that massive big stage that we mentioned, and I'm doing the story of the scene, the behind the scenes at Canada right. Blooms. So anybody who's interested in how, how it all we comes together. create Canada yeah. Blooms, please come down to that same monster stage, Unilock celebrity, <laughs> HGTV, whatever stage. And then li- after that, I'll be racing from that stage to the Room 105 to participate in the Reach for the Treetops trivia contest oh. put on by the Master Gardeners of Ontario, which is going to be a lot of fun. That's uh, Boy, the, a lot of egos in that room. Oh, man. yeah. yeah. Ooh, you don't want to be losing that one, Charlie. No, pff, it's going to be serious. I'm telling you. <laughs> Dennis Flanagan, Paul Zammett, oh, Ed Lawrence, and All myself. the heavyweights are in there. Yeah, that's right. So heads up on Heavyweight that. Heavyweight boat coming I, up. I have a few people know about that, and they've said, <clears throat> I'm coming to that. I want, I want to see how that one turns out. Okay. Well, I want to see what happens this morning on the show. Uh, listeners are already calling in, but for those of you who don't know the number, maybe it's your first time tuning in, it is the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Uh, Charlie is a master gardener, and uh, she will attempt, and indeed, I, <laughs> she will conquer every question thrown her way. Oh, thank and, you. and here's how you get to us. Um, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740, and then if you're anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-744-740, and our mantra, and we mean it, Call early, call often, one question per call. There we go. And say, you get in the first part of the show, and you think, oh, I had another question. Call in again. Okay? But just per call, just one. It's uh, 9-11, and uh, we're going to take a little bit of break here, and I'm going to rattle uh, rattle Charlie's cage and keep her awake there. <laughs> and she'll be, I'm sure, answering questions after these words. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor along as the sous chef of the garden as we welcome our first caller, Donald, calling in from Collingwood. Hi, Donald. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. How are you enjoying this beautiful weather pattern that we're having? Ah, St. Patrick's Day rolls around but once a year, and all the best to you and yours there. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're enjoying oh, it yes. very much. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we're phoning about a hibiscus uh, tree that we had uh, last year, and uh, we don't like bringing it into the house because of the bugs and stuff. So what we did is we put it in the garage, and where the uh, winter uh, was so mild, uh, we just went out and inspected it, and the tree appears to be alive. So the questions that I have pertaining to it are, um, what do you do in terms of trimming it back and when is the best time? And also, when is a good time to reintroduce it to the outdoors? 
Great questions. What you call it a tree? Is it actually a tree, like a single stem with a bunch of little branches up the top, or is it multi-stemmed right at the bottom? Uh, no, it's a single single stem. Okay, and you've had it for a number of years. Uh, actually, we just got it last year. Oh, okay, so best time to trim is any time now. And what you're going to be trimming are the tips because you want to cut that plant back. Remember, a happy, healthy hibiscus can grow as much as two feet, two and a half feet in a growing season. Okay. So visualize it doing that now based on the shape and size it is now. And you may say, that's a little bigger than we really want that by next September. So take it in. You can cut as much as a third off of the size of the plant in order to you know, bring it back in towards the center. That's going to help with shape uh, for the future growth. You're going to want it to be a dense you know, balanced plant. And often we have branches that are growing, they're crisscrossing or they're growing to the inside, you know, and the crisscrossing branches will do some damage to each other. So you'll trim out any of that, any branches growing into the center or interfering with each other, pick one, remove the other. Okay. And when, when again can we do this? Pruning I would do now. I would also okay. start fertilizing now, and the introducing it. It's in the garage now. So it's, does it get any light in your garage at all? Yes, we do. We have quite a, we have quite a nice window space in the garage. That's great. Um, so that's perfect. What a great spot to hold a plant like that. You what yeah. you could, what you can do is I mean it's still winter. Frankly, I mean you mentioned yeah. you know what do you think <clears throat> of this great weather? It is winter right now, and it won't be spring until Tuesday. So that's we're right. all excited about you know spring is in the air, and yet it is still March. So, I mean, if it's going to stay 17 degrees from now on, sure, take it outside during the day, bring it in back into the garage at night just to protect it in case of inclement, sudden cold weather. Um, But more normally, you wouldn't even be thinking about taking that plant out until at least sort of the middle of April because it shouldn't be this warm right now. And if, But I just don't know if it's going to stay this warm or we're going to get back to more normal temperatures in the next few weeks. Okay, well, okay. thanks very much. Great, thanks Thank for you, your Donald. call. Okay, have a wonderful day. You too. Same to you. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Aww. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get along to it. I, now, gee whiz, I wonder if uh, Donald uh, uh, stole Pat, the thunder from Pat, who is on the line from Grafton. Hi, Pat. <coughs> morning, Pat. Good morning. Good morning. No, he did not steal my thunder. Okay, <laughs> no, good I, enough. I had thought not. <laughs> now, I have a, I have um, a mock orange that's mm-hmm. about three years old. Mm-hmm. It's never bloomed, and I've never trimmed it, but it's looking pretty scraggly, and I want to know when I can trim it, because I can't remember when it's supposed to bloom. <laughs> Good question, actually. Is it a green mock orange, just like a regular green-leafed plant? Yes. Okay. If you never trim that plant, it will get 10 feet tall and 8 feet wide, eventually. Yes. Which might be bigger than you have space for, or maybe not. Maybe you do have. Do you have that kind of space for it to grow to its natural size? Not where size? it is at no. the moment. So with plants like that, often we do trim them just to keep them to the size that is balanced and proportional in our gardens and yards. It should be blooming in late spring, early summer. So what I would do is I would not do anything too radical right now. I would allow it, uh, like let it grow this early spring right through. So you may get some blooms on it. You never know. But feel free come the 1st of July, if not even mid-June, depending on sort of how our spring and summer works out, 
to give it a radical haircut, like really cut it back. Okay. Uh, the the thing with giving it what I call a haircut, which is where you kind of shear the plant right down, you know, get out a chainsaw and <laughs> cut it to half its height, they do tend to get really, really thick and dense, and, and they're not very sightly as a shrub. It's my one issue with mock orange. I love the smell, but yeah. they're not a really ornamental plant when they're not in bloom. They're just kind of a big mess of shrub, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of stems Aww. and leaves. <clears throat> Now, if I had a rose grower here in the studio with me right now, because there's a whole thing going on at Canada Blooms Around Roses, a rose grower would say, why would you plant a mock orange, which may or may not flower, isn't very pretty when it's not blooming, why didn't you just grow one of the beautiful Canadian-grown, uh, hardy, disease-resistant roses, which will bloom nonstop all spring and summer, and all you do, again, is shear it down midsummer every year and it'll grow back and keep on blooming right through to Christmas and guaranteed to bloom and has fragrance as well. Yeah, I have two of those. Good. <laughs> um, I, it's, it was a sentimental thing. I lived in, in uh, once and this mock orange, the first time I had ever had an experience with a mock orange. I was a mm. newlywed and it was blooming and it smelled so mm. nice and Jasmine. I just loved it. Yeah, it's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful shrub when it blooms. Is it getting a fair amount of sun where you've got it now? Oh, yeah. Good, because it does it, need that. It gets uh, sun about two-thirds of the day, actually. Okay, so it's, it's six hours plus. Oh, yeah. Good. So that's what we would consider full sun. So um, at this point, uh, like I say, give it a chance this year. Don't do anything radical until it's past blooming season. It should be blooming in June. Do consider fertilizing it this spring. I'm a huge fan of fertilizing all the garden plants, if only once, in the spring. Yeah, I use the spikes for for blooming plants, you know, the ones yeah, you pound around. pound into the earth, which is fine. That I mean, you you, you do it once and you're done for the yeah. season, which is hugely uh, handy for most of us. I'm just not a huge fan of the spikes because it's a lot of intensive fertilizer in one spot. Oh, okay. Um, and so you've got to be careful where you place them and recognize that where you are placing them, it's pretty intense. And then three feet away, it's not quite as intense. Oh, okay. I'll go back to um, Yeah, I mean, there's granular fertilizer, which is the same as the spikes, but in a loose format. And, okay. uh, and you just put on your gloves and you pretend you're feeding chickens, right? You just go <laughs> uh, throw it on the ground. Okay. Rain will take it down. Okay. And when can I prune the viburnum? Not viburnum, wigelia. Wigelia usually, um, because it's a neat plant that will bloom, again, right about the time of your mock orange is when your wigelia should be blooming. And then post-bloom, you trim it, it will start, it will often bloom again. Okay. So I like to do my wigelia blooming right around midsummer. Okay. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you very Thank much you for the call, call, Pat. Yeah. Uh, delighted to have you on the show here. And uh, for those of you who have never seen a mock orange, they're easily identifiable. When you uh, walk by them, they go, nanny, nanny, nanny. And, and no, they're mocking kidding. you. See? And you think I don't know these things. I know these things. I knew there was a reason it, yes. we kept you around as yes, a sous chef. Yes, of course. Uh, phone numbers, <laughs> let me get them in here. Uh, if you've never called before, hey, come on on, uh, join in the show and have some fun. 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto listeners. And then anywhere else in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. So I have to start doing my exercises now. I, I get the look from <clears> next door here. Uh, Frank, get exercising. That's right. That's, she needs a visual cue but more today than ever. <laughs> but you're, hey, <laughs> but you're um, feeling good. You're yeah. feeling limber. Yeah. You're going to come to Canada Blooms and, and run, the, yes. run the course? <laughs> Excuse me while I cough. Sierra Sil is something that Frank and I both take on a daily basis. It's a mineral supplement which keeps our joints 
limber, supple, if you will. And yes, keeps us young and vigorous supple, and active. If you will. Supple. Yes. Supple's a good word, right? Um, you should be on Dalton Abbey. Uh, might, That's the way I they might, talk. I might yeah. consider that, actually. <laughs> See if they, if they have a spot for me. Um, I'm just looking for somewhere I have in my pile of papers here all the great spots you can buy Sierra Sill. Because that was one of the... That was one of the things is that, <laughs> sorry. Try as I might. I can't keep her on track today. <laughs> she's, she's trying to ad-lib her way through this whole thing and looking <clears throat> madly for her list of uh, vendors. Retailers. Retailers where you can buy um, Canada Blooms. I'll tell you, you what can you can do. You can buy Canada Blooms. Listen Canada to Blooms. you. Yes. You're oh, as bad as me. We're both as. <laughs> Sierra Sill is, like I said, from the Sierra Mountains, perfectly natural product, is available in many retailers here in Ontario like Ambrosia Natural Foods, all the Whole Foods markets. The peanut mill in St. Catharines. That's correct, which is your local, yeah. and Ambrosia is my local. And uh, we that's where we pick up our Sierra Sill, or you can phone the lovely people, one eight seven seven joint 14 We got through that barely <laughs> unscathed. <laughs> barely. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, not helping out so much this morning, Frank Proctor, the sous chef, <laughs> as we uh, progress our way toward uh, 10 o'clock and uh, Dave's Corner Garage. Uh, you, we had uh, a question on the show last week that we you want to address just before we get back to our college. We did. Remember, Ursula called from Toronto, and she was talking about some birch trees. Yeah. Big birch trees. They got bugs on them every spring and left all this sticky mess on her shed. And she's very unhappy with them and is thinking about cutting down the birch trees. Meanwhile, she has an arborist come onto the property and use a product called Ace Cap, which is an injectable, um, what, I... Th- Insecticide? Well, that's what I thought. But what I've learned since then, because while I was at Canada Blooms doing all my crazy building and talking and getting people going, one of my all-time favorite arboriculture uh, consultants, a gentleman named Don Voorhees, uh, who's been in the business for 40 years in the Whitby area, um, he, he's like Dr. Tree, really. I saw him, and he's great. He used to be one of my volunteers, and uh, I got him to jump in my golf cart and come for a little drive with me while we did a bunch of things. And I said, okay, talk to me about birch trees with brown bugs that drip brown stuff and are being treated with ace cap. And he goes, ah, he knew exactly what it was. Huh? So I hope Ursula's listening. Okay. And thank you to Don, because he is the best. Um, the, it actually is a bug just called a plant bug, believe it or not. You can look it up as plant bugs. They are brown. They do drip and drop stuff, which is what we can refer to as their frass. And uh, his point was ace caps is a fertilizer. Good. Continue to do that. Continue to feed the plants. Keep the birch trees as healthy as possible. They The... These plant bugs are very short-lived. They only come through for a very brief period of time. There's absolutely nothing to do that you can do to kill them uh, other than, you know, yell at them or pull out a hose <laughs> and spray some water on them kind of thing. They are not doing any damage to the tree whatsoever. Uh, so they're, but they, Just unsightly. They're unsightly, and that, I think, was Ursula's point, that yeah. it's kind of messing up her shed. Yeah. But, of course, when I said that Ursula was considering cutting down the trees because she's so unhappy, he just went ballistic. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you can't cut down you know, big, beautiful, healthy birch trees. You just can't. Yeah. It's just wrong, morally wrong. <clears throat> so don't even think that. 
that. Uh, so, Ursula, I think the point is get your hose out and spray them. They, they, according to my friend Dawn, are there for a brief period of time in this early summer only. And after that, your birches are clean and free of that particular bug. But they're not, they're, they're unsightly but not doing any harm. Well, that's good news. Yeah. That's good news. Good. I think that's good news, too. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that, and I hope you enjoyed the ride in the golf cart. (laughs) Did she run into anything or anybody? No. I can just see it all now. Oh, will you stop? (laughs) (laughs) Hope you got a big insurance policy at Direct Energy. Anyway. It doesn't go that fast. (laughs) Golf carts just don't go that fast. normally, with a normal person behind the wheel, (laughs) you're right. Let's see. We've got... uh, Now, I'm not quite sure whether I'm reading uh, my screen properly here. Majma, is that correct, in Brampton? Yes, it is. Okay, I've never heard that name before. It's lovely. Megma. Me Star. Me oh, Star. nice. Good yeah, morning, Star. Thank you. That's very sweet. This is phonetically written. I'm a first-time caller and a new listener to your program, and, I'm, and I want to be gardener. So mm. I, I really appreciate learning. I've just started listening to your program recently. So thank you for sharing. Hey, great. That's great. Thanks for calling. Um, I, I, I have a small garden that I'm um, trying to build. And a, few, a couple of years ago, or four years ago, I put in these little lilies that a, a friend of mine gave me. And they're perennials that come up and they grow, they're bushy and then they have tall stems and uh, orange bloom, mm-hmm. basically. They're a form of lily, but I don't know the exact name. Mm-hmm. And they started to grow and multiply, and that's great. But they're now multiplying beyond my comfort zone because they're taking in more and more of my little corner and space in my mm-hmm. little garden. Yep. And I'm not able to dig them out because they're so deep and thick at the base. And I'm not sure what to do. And, and I've got a lilac bush next to it, and that's also growing. So I, try, I guess I'm trying to learn how to bring my garden in in terms of containment so that I, they still look nice and I can enjoy the plants. You know? <clears throat> Great question. What do I do with this? <laughs> okay, so what? Oh no, I totally am visualizing what you've got going on there. The lily you're referring to is actually not a true lily, but its common name is day lily. Okay. Um, grassy, like narrow green, grass-like leaves, tall stems, as you said, orange flowers. Uh, the the tip off is that when a fellow so-called friend gardener gives you a plant, chances are it's because they already have too much of it. So yes. that's your tip-off that if you plant it soon, you also will have too much of it. And so be careful about those presents people give you because sometimes they can be something you ultimately regret if you have a very small garden. Now, yes. it's nice to have some daylilies, but as you recognize, very happy, vigorous daylilies tend to take over, and that's what's going on. You start with one little plant, within three or four years, you've got 500 plants. Yes. You do need to get, what you need is a strong person, whether it's a neighborhood teenager or a, you know, go to the web and go to rent a son son and bring one of those people, one of those sons onto your property. Somebody with a good sharp shovel, spade or shovel, going to the outside of this patch of daylilies, start digging and digging down deep enough to actually lift the little bulbs because there's little bulbs down there and they got to be eliminated right off the property. If that plant has gotten in around the lilac, it's going to be tough because it'll it'll get those little bulbs in under the roots and that'll be there forever and that'll be a, an ongoing problem for you. So I would be inclined actually to just eliminate the plant entirely because this is going to be an ongoing problem. You leave a little patch behind, you're going to have a big patch within three or four years. Your soil shouldn't be that hard to dig, but if it's that horrible native clay that 
is often seen in Brampton, that may be part of your problem. So heavy clay is very hard to dig in, and that's, that can be really frustrating as a gardener. You've got to be able to get into that soil. And some, one of my other suggestions would be get some good compost, get some good manure, get a truckload of triple mix, whatever it is. Use that same sun that you've rented to not only dig out the daylilies, but to incorporate some better soil, high organic matter into your garden beds, and you'll have a better experience with being able to dig in it yourself. Okay, and should I, if I'm digging it out, like getting help to do that, should I be putting something in there to make sure if there's any little residue of the root system or bulb system there that I that would kind of kill it so that I don't have them come back? There's really nothing you can put in. Well, keep in mind, yes, for sure. You can put all kinds of toxic things into your soil to kill the daylilies, but then it's going to make the soil toxic for the future. So you don't want to do that. What you want to do is just keep an eye. It's a very, very um, recognizable plant when it uh, comes through the surface, you'll see those little green leaves. And as soon as you see that, of course, if it's uh, just little tiny bits that have been left behind, you'll need a trowel instead of a shovel to get those out to keep that area clear of the daylilies. So you're right, a little bit might get left behind, but just stay on top of removing it as it emerges above ground. So this would be a good time, basically, with the weather or a good, nice day to start doing that, uh, cutting away, like that kind of thing, possibly, right? It would, it would be, except be very careful. The one thing is, I know we're all keen to get out into the garden, but be careful that your soil is not wet. We do not want to dig. We don't even want to walk on gardens where there's a lot of moisture in the soil. Okay. You, so that, the little test is take a piece of a chunk of soil, a handful of soil, squeeze of the ball in your hand, the palm of your hand, open your hand. If that ball of soil stays in a ball, stay off your soil. It's still too moist. If the ball crumbles, then you can, yes, get in there and start digging and start, you know, renovating to some extent. Right. Okay. Oh, no, thank you so much. Oh, Marge, just just before you go, what what phone system are you using there this morning? A cell uh, phone. Is it a cell phone or? Yes, I am. So oh, I, no. I, is, the, is the sound not okay? Well, yeah, no. I, I was driving and then I parked when my. Ah, right. No, I'm glad you did, but it just sounds like you're uh, speaking from inside one of the barrels that went over Niagara Falls. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you get those echoes. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, not that adventurous. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you're you. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. AM seven forty, the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and I'm Frank Proctor, the Zoo Chef. Nine thirty-four, no, nine thirty-five, actually, our time, and. And uh, let's welcome to the line Mary, who's uh, making the call from Mount Forest. Hello, Mary. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> Top of the morning to yourself. <laughs> I have an indoor hibiscus that I brought in from outside last summer. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't bloom all summer, so I repotted it. Mm-hmm. I brought it in. I cut it back like I usually do. It mm-hmm. has grown rapidly. It's as tall as I am. Mm-hmm. It hasn't bloomed all winter. And I want to know if I should cut it back before I put it back out or why I'm having trouble with it blooming as well. Well, it is. Okay, so um, indoor hip... Okay, where do I start? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Get my thoughts in order. Yes, you should cut it back this spring. Cut it back as much as you want. I mean, you can take that plant right back to half the size it is now if you want. Do start fertilizing it once a month with a good all-purpose, miracle Grow, whatever kind of fertilizer. I maybe I was fertilizing it too much. Is that possible? It is possible. Just once a month? Once a month. Okay. And be careful that you are using a fertilizer that is designed to encourage flowering. What number would that be? Typically, that'll have a higher middle number or higher second and third number and lower first number. I'm using a J 
general house plant one. Yeah, so if you're using like a 10-10-10 or a 20-20-20, yeah. that's why you're getting so many leaves. The first, so should use something less? You should use something that's designed for flowering plants. Flowering, okay, thank mm. you. So that will help you um, slow down some of the green growth, Great. the leaves, and encourage some flowering. But, thank you so much. I enjoy your you're very welcome. Very and, much, and so do many people way up here in Mount Oh, good to hear. <laughs> but get it out into lots of sun this summer. I will. And we're, it should be blooming. Typically, unfortunately, they start blooming at the end of the summer. So when you bring it in, you don't want to do any cutting back. Because in the fall... Oh, gonna, I shouldn't cut back in the fall. No. Do your, oh, all your trimming now. Oh, for, I for cut the whole at the year. wrong time of the year. No problem. And you will have blooms. You should have lots of blooms. So by there m- again, you've helped me greatly. Mid- I watch your, listen to your show every <laughs> Saturday morning, and thank you very much. Oh, thanks thank for your you. call. And happy blooming. And you too. <laughs> I hope to see it Canada blooms. Okay, hey, Exactement. Hey, oh, nine, oh, exactement. I'm going into a little French there. I, well, we are multicultural. <clears throat> There's no uh, question. Yes, yes. If Toronto is one of the uh, most multicultural cities in the world. I know, and that's why the... Um, theme of Canada Blooms this year is city culture. And the gardens, if you wander through them, which I hope you're going to come and visit me, I'll yes, I'm take you on that. your own personal tour, if you like, I, which I did with Elliot just yesterday. The, the way these gardens have been designed, the thought that's gone into these gardens to, to tell the story of culture coming together, cultural clashes, harmonious cultures, plus then there's the whole arts the arts, the music, the sculpture, mm-hmm. the graffiti. We had this really funky, I mean, guy called calls himself Dead Boy was down there doing uh, some hoarding uh, graffiti uh, on one of the gardens. So, yeah, I mean, it's all the cultural mix. It's really, really interesting. When you go into these gardens, it's not just pretty flowers. A whole bunch of thought goes into this, des- these designs. And it doesn't well, all- I can't wait to get there. Well, it's not yeah. always obvious. You have to stop and think and go, okay, what was this person thinking about when yeah. they did this? Or read. They'll have some little information, too. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. That's cool. Well, I hope that uh, our callers who have already called in our future and present caller, Ludwig, will get down there to uh, say uh, thank you very much. Uh, it was good advice, Charlie. Now, Ludwig uh, from Toronto, hold on the line just a couple of moments. Charlie is now giving me the physical uh, cue there, starting to do arm bends and weightlifting. <laughs> and, and I know what this is leading to. It is leading to her scouring once again. No, for a piece it. of paper. You found the piece of paper. Okay. <laughs> That's what made me think of it. Sierra Cell. Yes. A natural mineral supplement. Taken daily, three little pills a day, can allow you to do all those knee bends and arm raises and chin raising and whatever it is you need to do to keep in good shape, stay active, be ready for gardening, which reminds me, I'm going to get a guy on the show in two weeks, three weeks, who is going to give us some good exercises and stretches so that we're just that much more limber and try, you know, want to be pain-free. You want to be accident and injury-free with our activities because we want to keep doing those activities, right? So this is where Sierra Silk can help. Uh, Good stretching exercises, you know, stretching the right body parts. In your case, sometimes using acupuncture (laughs) to stay as free of pain as possible. Sierra Silk can be purchased over the web at sierrasil.ca. You can call them at a very simple number, one eight seven seven joint 14 or you can pick it up at a local retailer, such as The Essence of Life, which is on Kensington Avenue in Toronto, or Natural Solutions, which is at Sherway Gardens in Etobicoke. There you go. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
And here we are once again. As I was uh, trying madly to uh, come up with my little Irish thing, I couldn't quite remember uh, the That's little thing. Okay. I'll, I'll wait till the end of the show to give it. But I've I've done my research, or Charlie has for yes. me, and I will give my Irish greeting to one and all on this St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. Well, Ludwig in Toronto, thank you for hanging on the line there. What's uh, what's the problem there? Uh, hi. Good morning. On on the side of the house, I have four or five plants. Uh, of anonymous, they're evergreen, mm-hmm. uh, they're um, green and white in color, and they have developed some kind of a disease. Mm-hmm. There are white spots on it, and I try to get rid of them by using uh, soap and cayenne pepper and lemon, mixture of that, and uh, I'm unable to get rid of them. And this is for the last three or four years that I have that kind of a disease. <clears throat> um, I have the same plants or evergreens in front of the house, Mm -hmm. and there seems to be fine. Right. Good question. So you have, Frank has brow is furrowed. He's trying (laughs) to figure out what's going on here. The plants are called euonymus. Euonymus. It's an an evergreen with broad leaves, shiny, very attractive, and used very often in gardens because it grows in the sun, it grows in the shade. It can be trimmed to any shape you want, up a wall, ground cover, shapes. So it's it's a wonderful often used, like I say, around the foundation of homes. So Euonymus emerald gaiety, which is the green and white variety, is very, well, all Euonymus have an insect that can sometimes cause all kinds of problems, and it's called Euonymus scale. So S-C-A-L-E. It is an, an insect that covers itself with a little hard shell, and that shell protects the insect that's underneath the shell from anything you spray. It's only when those little scale insects are born that they don't have the shell that they're very easy to kill. So it's all in the timing when it comes to actually trying to kill that insect. One thing I would do in in the next month or even sooner, depending on the weather, is I would use dormant spray on the euonymus to uh, try and annihilate anything that might be living on the plant. Dormant spray is often used on edible plants, like ro- well, roses being one of the plants that actually are edible. Um, any of our fruit trees, our berry bushes, crab apples, etc., we will spray them in the spring before they leaf out and definitely before they flower to try and kill anything that's overwintering on the bark of the plants. And what that scale is on the, on the bark. It's on the surface of the euonymus plant. Yes. And the, the dormant spray can help lower the population somewhat. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to report back next week and tell you exactly. See, it's always hard because every year is a bit different. But all scale insects have their their regeneration or their birthing and egg laying at certain times of the year. And I just read it this instant off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly when you want, when is the best time to spray to kill euonymus scale when they're young. It's usually around June or July, but you wouldn't use dormant spray. That's when you would use your soap. Okay. Okay. So listen next week, and I'll tell you exactly what to spray and when to kill the young. But in the meantime, get a hold of something called dormant spray and use that uh, anytime in the next few weeks. Thank you very much for your, for, for your help. My uh, pleasure. Can I ask one more question? Oh, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we have to limit uh, one question yeah. per call, but if you're able to get through in the line again, by all means, okay? <laughs> Thank <laughs> okay. you, Ludwig. Thanks Thank for asking, but there are people waiting. Yeah, the folks are on the line, as a matter of fact, and it's Frida in Scarborough. Bougainvillea, is that the uh, subject matter we're going to talk about, Frida? Uh, 
Hi, I'm just the husband. I'm the phone. I'm just the husband. So I'll put you over to Frida. Just <laughs> He's the guy who holds I, the I'm phone. I'm the professional phone holder for <laughs> Hello. Frida. Hello, Good morning, Frida. Frida. Good morning. Um, I have a question this morning about my uh, bougainvillea tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had it for several years, and um, when I got it for Mother's Day, it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, long branches just full of flowers. Last year, it didn't do too much, mm. and it's in the house now, and all these shoots have come out. They're quite long. Um, what do I do with it? <laughs> well, no, it's a good question. So you, you say you've had it for several years. Has it flowered at all during that time when, while you've had it? Yes, it has, but mm. not nearly as beautifully as when I first got it, but mm. it has put out some bloom. Okay, so it should bloom profusely in the spring and the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the trick is getting it to continue to do that every year. So the okay. idea with bougainvillea is prune it in, the, in autumn. Okay. And when you're doing that pruning, when you brought it in in the fall before, you know, heavy frost, bring it in in the fall, prune it right back, and reduce your watering. Okay. All of our plants slow down. As the days are getting shorter, they slow down in their growth, so they slow down in their need for water. Many of the tropicals and subtropicals, they're not so much tuned into winter and temperature, but they are tuned into dry season versus wet season. Right. So that's why with a plant like bougainvillea, when you're bringing it in the fall, you also slow down watering it. Yes, I have reduced the watering. I just thought to myself, <coughs> I'm just going to try to keep it alive over the winter, and perhaps in the spring it will take off. Um, so I guess that, that part is fine. So that's good. Now, yep. spring is in the air. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we start thinking about increasing our watering. Days are getting longer. You're seeing growth, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so that's exactly what you want. You want it to be in as much sun as you possibly can put it in because it likes the bright, bright light both inside your home and when it goes outside. Direct sun? Inside your home, it should inside. be in direct sun. Okay. When you go outside in the spring, whenever that might be, in the next month or so, you won't, of course, go directly from your inside to your outside extreme sun because the, the little leaves will get burned. It's right, such a dramatic right. change. Yeah. When we first go outside, we go into the shade and we, we protect from the wind. And then after a week or so, we slowly start bringing it into the more exposed situation until two, two weeks, three weeks later, you've got it right out in full sun outside. Right. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, um, do, is it needing repotting? You said you'd have it for a few years. Um, I don't think it's in quite a large pot. So I okay. think it's probably fine for another year. But I guess these, these uh, little branches that have come uh, grown mm. over the winter. They're quite long and spindly, and mm. they are covered with leaves. Shall I just leave them, or shall I trim them, trim them back? You're going to want to trim those back. Take, okay. take the plant back so that it's balanced in its growth, and that it's an attractive plant now, mm-hmm. even if it's just taking little tips off. And what you're going to find is you're going to encourage more growth. It's going to be bushy, uh, and it's going to uh, hopefully have flowering uh, tips right. all over it after all this trimming within the next, you know, couple of months. It needs a whole bunch of sun outside. Okay. Bougainvillea is not that hard to grow. It's just, the trick is, and it's often hard for us to do this, it's nice and warm in the summer. That's easy. It's the, the cool temperatures that these plants prefer in the winter. Right. And our homes are usually a little too warm for the cool that's required. So, you know, you still want it in a sunny spot in the winter, but you want it in temperatures, you know, closer to kind of 50 degrees, 55 sort of things. 
Okay, should I start okay. fertilizing at yes. any point? Yes, start fertilizing now, uh, now that we're into March, once a month with, again, as we were saying to one of our earlier callers, choose a fertilizer that is designed to encourage flowering. Okay. All right. Okay. That sounds good. Wonderful. Thanks, Thanks for your call. And, and thank your husband us... for being an excellent phone holder. For you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let us know how that works out, how it looks at the end of the summer. Thanks very much, Charlie. All righty. Thank you. The, the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin is on the air, AM 740 Zoomer Radio, and we'll be back to have a chat with more listeners in just a moment. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef, welcoming Dorothy from Markham to the line. Good morning, Dorothy. Hello, Dorothy. Hello. Yes, Good morning. Your, your turn. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. Hi there. Uh, I was just wondering what you could tell me about this corn gluten that a couple of years ago was quite popular. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered uh, how to use it and when and where and everything. Okay, so no, it's a great question, and your timing is perfect because corn gluten, it, you'll see it for sale in pretty large bags usually yes. right now, early in the spring, because this is a product that's used typically on our lawns, and it acts as both a fertilizer and it acts as what's called a pre-emergent herbicide. Oh, I see. So before anything emerges from the ground, corn gluten will stop those things from emerging. So what, so before any seeds germinate, early spring, normal seed germination, the, the corn gluten stops that from happening. Probably the most insidious weed that's in a seed form right now is crabgrass. And crabgrass will, um, it, it, the mother plant died in the winter, or should have. Hopefully it was cold enough this winter so yes. that the mother plants died. But before they died, each plant could have dispersed as much as 60,000 seeds per plant. So a couple of crabgrass plants means a lot of crabgrass seeds mm-hmm. in our lawns. And uh, in the spring, there's often bare patches and thin patches, and that's where the crabgrass seeds will grow. The corn gluten stops those seeds from germinating. Ah. So now would now be a good time? Exactly. Now is the time. Okay. And what about putting it on uh, flower beds, like where there's quite a bit of space? And mm-hmm. uh, would it stop the weeds there also? It will stop, as I say, it'll stop any s- seeds from germinating. So that will include weed seeds, but it can also include seeds that you want to germinate, right? Well, it, can you plant there then later or... You have to wait at least six to eight weeks after you've applied the corn gluten before any seeds will germinate with any kind of high level of success. Oh, I see. So now would be a good time, and then you could exactly plant six to eight weeks. That's right. And think of that in terms of your lawn as well. So yeah. if, you, if you're hoping to patch or you know, thicken your grass with some grass seed, you can't do both at the same time. You can't use the corn gluten and the grass seed. You've got to leave that window in between. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I was wondering how long it would be till you could plant. Yeah. It's like I say, a good six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. Yeah. All right. Okay, okay, Jackie. Thank you very much this for calling. This is Dorothy. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thanks for your call. Nine fifty-seven. Do we have time for one more? No, no I guess because we're, I think just, you want yeah. to do your little. Oh yeah. Top of the... Well, it is St. Patrick's Day, don't you know? I do. And I, <laughs> Though I fi- neither favorite, of us are wearing a favorite lot of green. saying on behalf of my late mom, who was as Irish as Paddy's pig, but she was born here in Toronto, and oh no, she, Irish. Every every St. Patrick's Day, we all had to wear green, and you know, <laughs> Dad, I'm sure had a green beer or two, whatever. Yeah. But it, the little saying that I recall, mm-hmm. and I love this. 
May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be ever at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rain fall softly on your fields. And may you get to heaven a half hour before the devil knows you're dead. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Is that how your mom used to say it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She'd try and throw a little Irish accent in there. No, but I mean right down to the, the yes, devil, devil and the, yeah. the half hour. Half hmm. hour before the devil knows you're dead. Yeah. Cool. It's good. I yeah. like it. Well, a happy St. Patty's Day to And to you, too. And um, you are, of course, staying here for a little while after I head off back over to Canada yeah. Blues. And I, for a moment, thought uh, Alan Gelman wasn't coming in, but I see his little uh, dome there shining in through the glass. <laughs> and uh, he will be joining Dave Rediger with uh, the corner uh, gas, uh, Dave's Corner Garage. And uh, <laughs> we'll gas right along here. We're having a great show, aren't we? Both of us are so tired. I was up late with my sons last night. And partying, Charlie, doing your green yeah. beer pre-partying, I bet. <laughs> yeah, but you guessed it. <laughs> and uh, Charlie, of course, going crazy at Canada Blooms. And you're here for a couple yep. hours. Back and, at 11. And maybe I might just remember and I'll call in and tell you what's going on down at Canada Blooms. Let's make it about one fifteen. Okay. 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 So right. a little, little top up there. And uh, do come down. When are you coming to Canada uh, Blooms? I believe on Wednesday. I'm not sure of the date yet. Because uh, okay. I had a few, my wife had a few conflicting things happening. I see. Well, just so you know, I may not be there Wednesday because I'm going to be there all night. Tuesday night, Ooh. doing a refreshing and replenishing of all the flowers. Ooh, that's the yeah. problem with oh, a 10-day garden Yeah, show. you've got to change everything up. Exactly. You, what you see today, you won't see in a few days because we're going to be, it, it, they won't last for 10 days. So keep it fresh. you got to put in new. Double the pleasure, double your fun. Double your Charlie work. Dobbin, uh, <laughs> run, run, run. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> David Gaskin, our producer, thank you thank very you, much for once again. And uh, we shall see you back here um, next week, Charlie. Yeah, that's correct. Same time, same That's station. Right. And thank you, Frank, for being the sous chef extraordinaire. Why, thank you. <clears throat> and we didn't get any nematode questions. We I know, I was waiting for a nematode question all morning and <laughs> nothing came through. And you were ready. I was ready. Oh. That's the only thing I know about. I oh, know. We nuts. know that. Okay. So, thanks, <laughs> everybody. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.